Stunt Podcast. All right, man, we're live. Excellent. Dude, this week, uh, you and I were sort of on the same page, man, and, and uh, I would really like to talk about this social money that's appearing in the crypto art space. As you know, man, I was sort of a hater on this idea, as I am a lot of ideas when they start out, but I'm, I'm sort of turning the corner on it, and uh, I know Connie's been pushing the Hue thing for a while. Well, when that came out, I was super skeptical, uh, as you know, because I'm just like, well, the world doesn't need another thing within a thing within a thing. But then I saw Skinny jumped on board and, and Mighty Moose jumped on board and I saw how Connie's been driving this thing for a few weeks now. And I'm like, all right, this, this might be some innovative stuff that does have a different angle than a lot of things on there. So, And you had mentioned uh, right before we got started that a couple other people had jumped on board, man. So, so how do you see this like fleshing out as, as time goes on? Uh, there's another Scent user, Mira Takeru who created Go, G-O-U, his own social currency, which is pretty cool. I think it's really interesting for a couple of reasons. First of all, the fact that it does seem to be catching on and more creatives are, are launching their own currencies, maybe in an attempt to quote Connie, to become their own economy, which I think is a pretty cool idea. But it's also an interesting proof of fandom for people that are supporting these creators. If you actually take the time and effort to find like the hidden uh, social currency of these creators, or if you buy the work of these creators and, and get uh, this social currency, you literally have like a separate proof of, of your fandom and support for these creators, which Connie has extended, I guess, in partnership with OpenSea, the ability for his fans to actually purchase shit using Q on OpenSea. It's still early days, and I think he's only been doing this for about a month. The project that everyone's using to make their own social currency try roll, it's still really, really small. They only have like a couple hundred people uh, following their Twitter account. It's an interesting way to drive uh, traffic to other, to other sites too, as part of these hunts for the, the currency where they hide them. So for example, another Scent user, Kaividi, within the crypto voxels world, he set up this crypto corner cafe. And apparently he partnered with Connie. And through that partnership, Kaividi is hanging that become your own economy work crypto art. But he also hid like a bunch of hue to incentivize people to come find and visit his plot in crypto voxels. And he was telling me that like he, started, he was getting a bunch of traffic over there. And I hadn't thought about using this social currency as a way to incentivize traffic. But I was like, oh, fuck. I mean, Connie had already previously done that in several instances. The way that he hooked me was I needed to go to his plot in CryptoVoxels, find the hue, and then use the hue to pay for, to get my name on uh, like the wall of fame or whatever that he had set up on his plot. And I mean... I liked your skepticism when you first mentioned it, just kind of hating on yet another token that's that's getting put out there in the wild. But again, like we're like super fans of these people. Like we see them on Sen. It's cool to support them by scooping up some of their um, social money. And the uses are admittedly limited for people that really don't know them or are new to the scene. But I, I think that over the long run, if if this actually takes off and if the idea really does have legs, uh, these early supporters could stand to really benefit if any of the creators that they support actually take off and blast off. 
using an example of a crypto or digital artist who kind of blast off. There's this crypto digital artist, Josie, I forget what her last name is, but she's doing some really cool crypto related art in the physical world, but like she's legitimately taken off and her works are commanding thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. Um, but she also put out a bunch of digital art. And I just saw on Twitter before this call, one of her early fans had scooped her art for like 40 bucks and then it just resold for about $900, right? You, you can imagine if like the work of Connie or if like Skinny or Mera or, or Moiti Moose, like if they take off for whatever reason, like really take off and their work becomes like sought after, the value of their social money will also increase in price. And it's, it's kind of mind blowing. It's fascinating, man. And when I saw Skinny and, and Mighty Moose uh, jump on with uh, their own currency, my visceral reaction is another one. It's just going to dilute the pond. It, it's going to confuse everybody. There's going to be too much floating out there. But honestly, the, the more I thought about it, the more I feel like all these people are like a big fish in a small pond right now, right? And, and I, I do feel like as long as they've got like that energy going where they're like working with each other versus against each other, I, I feel like this is like, a, I, I can never remember the expression, like the rising tide raises all the ships or like something like that. Like, you know, I see this as a long play. You know, I, I think the hue is a good idea, the skull, uh, you know, all these uh, tokens that these artists are putting out. But I, I feel like this is this is a train that they're going to have to be pushing and driving for a long time before it, it sort of takes off on its own. That, that, that deep collaboration that we're seeing amongst these individuals, but just throughout the, the crypto space, I think that is one of the unique features uh, that crypto is beginning to really uh, provision amongst the network participants. Just the fact that we can have money easily available, easily um, usable, easily uh, distributable. Gather, couple that with like, real people with ideas. When, when you get them all together, you make it super easy for this deep collaboration to happen. I mean, for social money, it, there's a long road ahead of it, right? But I, I really think that these initiatives help identify the deep collaboration that's possible in these networks. And I think that is where the real value is at. The other thing that really got me thinking about it is... The hiding of the money and the stuff that like No Shot is doing with the maze and the trophies, which which are awesome, by the way. I, I wish I had more time to like dive into that and acquire some of these <laughs> items and everything. But I feel like all that stuff that's being done within crypto voxels sort of like scratches a different itch than necessarily the crypto art scene because I, I've referenced James Bond uh, for Nintendo 64 more during our podcast than I have probably in like the past 20 years of my life. But I honestly feel like the gamification of the crypto art throws a unique curveball on it because then you've got sort of the crypto treasure hunters involved who are, you know, hitting all the faucets, who are, you know, tapping all the devices and everything to acquire little bits of crypto. And, and this adds like another element that, I mean, honestly, we, we were talking about like some of the games that are incorporating NFTs. And arguably, this is like a more fleshed out, like gamified thing that incorporates more human interaction and skill and ingenuity and everything. Even though it is all focused around crypto art, it's sort of, like I was saying, scratches a different itch or diversifies the people who are coming in. And when stuff like that happens, I feel like, let's say you just get a bunch of like freebie treasure hunters who are just sort of like glomming on to acquire free crypto art. 
I, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing either because they're still sharing with their friends and, and pointing other people in this direction. And to me, really, this is this is like a labor of love for anyone who's in the crypto art space, right? They're, they're sinking time and energy in this. And, and the goal right now is to build fandom, not necessarily, I mean, if getting rich is a byproduct, that's great, right? But right now, it seems like the goal is to flail your arms around like rapidly enough that people start to take notice and flock to this space. And, and then is where the, the money comes in, right? So, and, and here's my hesitation with it, and, and uh, interested to see what you think. So, you know, all this is, like, very cool. Uh, and, and like I said, I was sort of a hater in the beginning, but now I'm, like, pausing myself, thinking this, this may go somewhere. On the flip side of coins, I'm like, dude, if I'm, like, Spontan Art or, like, Matthias C., or like Clay Cal, who's, like, a dope artist who, like, hasn't gotten a lot of shout-outs on our, on our podcast, I'm, I'm looking at all this going on, and I'm like, shit. Now I'm a crypto artist. I got to diversify over to Decentraland and like whatever other crypto island is popping out. Now I got to like make my own fucking token to like, you know, hide in a whole bunch of places. And I'm not, you know, some crypto pirate treasure hunter. I'm just like an artist. And now in order to be seen, do I have to like jump onto this bandwagon or or do you think sort of the same thing I was saying before, like a rising tide raises all the ships and, and like these people doing it, will the, the attention will eventually trickle over to their stuff as well or do you feel like people are eventually going to get left in the dust unless they're like constantly on the cutting edge of the technology in in this space well i mean i don't think it's a solution for everyone at least at this point but for these creators who are are naturally creative i just feel like um, the social currency is one more tool in their toolkit of being creative and interacting with their fans right it just gives them another vector to be creative. I don't see every artist saying, I have to have my own social currency now, at least at this point, right? And I do think it'll be a while before the real value, like actual value of these social currencies really becomes apparent to other people. Because again, I really think that's predicated on the creators themselves achieving a pretty decent level of fame, notoriety, and then just uh, demand uh, for their actual creations, right? Uh, without that, I mean, the coin's as, as valuable as the creator. And if they're not a household name, it just it's not going to command a lot of value. The real value is in the future. And then if, if that starts to happen, if that theory proves right, then I think you'll start to see other people really think deeply about that and glom on. Again, we're talking big fish in a small pond. It would seem like... The Connies, the Skinnies, the, the Mighty Mooses who are putting all the legwork into creating these coins and these like sort of crypto adventures and everything. I'm like, and I'm no artist and I'm no programmer or anything, but if my like crypto voxel, let's say I am an artist and my crypto voxels shop is like, you know, located somewhere in the vicinity of all of those people's, I'm like, dude, I'm not going to do all this work. <laughs> like, I'm going to hope that your guys' currency takes off brings a whole lot of people to this site and they eventually trickle over to my shop too, because I, I don't have the time and energy to figure out not only how to like create a currency, which I know isn't rocket science, but, but you and I both know, man, there's a huge difference. And that's why I was a hater in the beginning. There's a huge difference in creating a currency and creating a use for a currency, which is what I feel like, you know, 99% of projects fail to do. And, and it just would seem like, man, if I'm putting all this effort into my art, 
so much effort would have to be put into that direction that I, I wouldn't want to do it. But at the same time, you know, if, if Connie and, and them are getting all the business, then I would almost feel like inherent in the crypto art space is this, you're going to need, you, you can't just mint your stuff anymore and throw it out there. You're going to need to interact with your fan base. You're going to, you know, the crypto art social scene is going to be just as much of a dynamic as the art scene itself as it becomes like more uh, flooded with people. I, I don't know, man. The, the the whole thing is like really, really interesting. But I, I do see like more people flocking to this space because the, the the game aspect to it, I really think adds another dimension and, and allows people to get their hands on, you know, people who are skeptical about the space. They don't have to like throw any money out there right away. They can sort of play the game and do the treasure hunt and uh, get hooked in that way. And that that's certainly something. No, I totally agree. And to your point where people that are creating their own social currencies, they have a ton of, of work to do to make that a thing. But the gamified aspect, like what NoShot is doing with his NoShot quests over in CryptoVoxels, that's it's exciting that this kind of like treasure hunt is becoming this emergent thing over there. This kind of gamified element, it, it opens up another vector for, for regular people, right? Who understand like riddles and solving a riddle to progress. That's something that everyone can get behind. And his creations that he's tokenized, they, they just look aesthetically pleasing. There's something that I see that and I'm like, I want that. Like I have this visceral reaction, like I want that. I want to own that. And knowing that you can own it is pretty cool. Like another example of collaboration and just spirit of, of cooperation is highlighted by another Sent user, uh, blackbox.art, who's also known as Sparrow Art. They gifted a lot, another artist who is named a lot of money or money a lot of um, a plot within CryptoVoxels to go like run in and do whatever they want creatively. And money a lot of just probably made one of the sickest plots I've ever seen. Did you get a chance to see what they've been doing over there? I, I did. I, I saw the post. I didn't have a chance to dive into it too, too deeply, but it, uh, the concept of like black box art just gave them something to see what they could do with. And that's what they came out with. I, I'm like, man, more people need to tinker around with this space, right? Like people with outside perspectives and everything. Yeah, it's getting really deep because a lot of users now, they're building .vox builds externally like um, on their own machines and then they're importing them to CryptoVoxels. So you're seeing all these weird objects and super unique designs appear because people are really letting their, their creative juices flowing. And Money Alada just went to town in, in a 24-hour period and created this other worldly plot in, in CryptoVoxels. And again, all thanks to the generosity of another user who, again, by allowing this to happen, that the value of that plot and the, the surrounding area, it just becomes more valuable. You kind of alluded to it earlier, just how if you're in these worlds and you're in a good neighborhood and your your neighbors are are doing cool shit that is attracting attention there, your actual real estate value goes up and the value of that plot goes up because you're getting all this virtual foot traffic of people with crypto in their pocket going through spending stuff. And having things like this happen, like my plot in CryptoVoxels is right next to No Shots. Coldy 3 d is over there too. There's like actually a lot of artists that have moved into that neighborhood and I'm like, 
jackpot. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, like I was going to sit on this plot. <laughs> yeah, I'm man, definitely. Totally sitting on it. But at the same time, like to kind of temper my enthusiasm and stuff like that. And to kind of get more to your skeptical side before the call, I, I was reading up on some um, statistics uh, in the NFT space and then the digital art space in general. And this was based on a study of nine projects in the space, like the big ones like OpenSea, Super Rare, Known Origins, a couple others. But in terms of unique addresses, there's only 50,000 of us in the NFT slash digital art space. And of those 50,000 unique addresses that are within and interacting with NFTs, about 5,000 or only 10% are pretty active in the, the digital art space, right? So it's like a small town of us. And then the people that are active within the digital art space, it's really, really small at this point. Yeah, totally. But I mean, you know, being a big fish in a small pond is, is definitely a good thing, especially if that small pond is growing. You know, I guess what you worry about is is sort of like an extension of what just happened with this uh, this person giving a plot to an artist who wouldn't otherwise come here. I'm like, once Salvador Dali's estate establishes itself in crypto voxels or whatever, does everyone else get stamped out? You know what I mean? Like once like established artists who are commanding a lot of money come in. You know, does the Hue project, all skinny, mighty mooses, like treasure hunts and everything, uh, you know, go out the window? And, and I'm sure it never does totally or whatever. But I'm like, you know, this is always the challenge when you're a big fish in a small pond. Is like as the pond grows, how do you continue to be a good fish even when potentially bigger fish continue to, to fill the pond and everything? But I, I've got to say getting Connie's token approved to actually being able to make purchases on there is still, you know, not nothing at, at all. It definitely lends credibility that it is a usable currency. And, and I feel like it bodes well for the, you know, thing overall that, that everybody's doing. Dude, you were, you were talking earlier, um, maybe we were trading emails, getting ready for this about uh, rolling secret Santa uh, project into CryptoVoxel somehow or getting some space in there to show it off. So uh, my idea is so far with, with Secret Senna or Secret Senna Clause, it's just kind of a perfect fit with all the artists that are on scent, all the people that are on scent that are also in CryptoVoxels, um, just trying to come up with a, a nice list of, of artists who want to contribute unique work uh, and pulling together some money so that we can uh, commission that artwork and make sure that the artists get paid. And then also bring in members of the community who maybe like, OGs, um, like here from the beginning, and then hopefully a bunch of new users who are new to the space, don't really have um, the money maybe to get uh, NFTs, and then coming up with a, a creative, fun, engaging way uh, to match uh, some of the new custom art that'll get made uh, with some, some new user or new owners uh, who'll be gifted these things uh, by the artists. Um, but collaborating with, for example, um, Kaividi with a his crypto corner cafe that he has in crypto voxels. Uh, and then hopefully with uh, black docs, a black box dot art as well with their, their plot in crypto, uh, crypto voxels. And then of course uh, the plot that I, I have been setting up in crypto voxels, I think that would be a cool way to display the art, let people check it out, get excited uh, to be awarded some of these pieces. Uh, and then also just to keep funding uh, these artists uh, so they can keep making crazy cool shit uh, and to, create more affinity uh, with, with everyone uh, in these projects and, and together with Scent. That's kind of where my mind's at with that. 
Dude, as soon as you like mentioned uh, somehow rolling this secret Senta project into crypto voxels or incorporating crypto voxels, I was like, oh shit, yes. I, I just imagine like you know crypto uh, or crypto voxel uh, design like elves and like snow uh, landscapes or or whatever, just sort of like set the scene. I don't know, maybe that's not practical. I haven't messed around with crypto voxels too much, but. But the idea of having some sort of central location for some of this stuff or whatever, I, I'm like, oh, man, this this is all coming together and has the potential to be really, really cool, depending on how, how many people we can get involved in and to buy into it and stuff. So uh, I'm excited, man. That, that, that was a really exciting idea to me. Um, well, last week I mentioned the moment of Zen to close things out. But then actually you came up again with like an appropriately corny, awesome name for it so like when we want to close out the episode uh, we're going to each shout out like our favorite post that we saw on, on scent and we're calling that post that we're going to shout out the centerpiece so we're going to roll into the centerpiece uh, segment of the show um i'll get it started so i guess last week harold uh, uh whose username is spelled h4r10d published hopefully his last installment of Tales from the Dark, his crazy epic series where he documented the rolling blackouts that he had to live in and everyone within the city of Maracaibo in Venezuela. It was the most harrowing, depressing, just like, I can't even imagine kind of situation. Just just like week after week, just all the bullshit that he had to go through, all the like hot, sticky, dark nights uh, that he had to persevere through to finally see that come to an end, hopefully in last week's final episode. I was just super happy to see that. And that, that was totally my, my pick for centerpiece this week. Yeah, man. I, I hope Harold continues to post and, and, you know, keep us updated on like the aftermath of the whole situation, because, you know, every now and again, we get an influx of posts from people from Venezuela and it, it is fascinating that their, their whole situation down there. And, and, Yes, totally uh, disturbing, and and you know I'm I'm very appreciative of posts like that because I feel like they, you know, the insiders look into situations like that is is way different than what you read on the news or whatever. So my my centerpiece for this week uh, is a new ish user. Uh, I don't know if it's John Snow or John's now J O N S N O W, and he made this post about how as a kid he learned English through playing. Final Fantasy 2. And I, it's funny, man, because you just made this post a, a few days ago about scent coincidences. And I was like, oh my God, we were just talking about how, you know, NFTs and how I grew up playing Final Fantasy. And then like, you know, the next day or whatever, he posts this post about Final Fantasy. I'm like, and then you post the thing about coincidences. I'm like, oh my God, what type of world am I living in? Anyway, <laughs> um, but it's a fascinating story, man. And, and this was like someone who didn't know any English and he stumbled upon this video game and, and it struck a chord with me because this particular video game was like my segue into like video games as a kid. And, you know, as a kid, you're, you're, this game in particular, Final Fantasy II, is not exactly like simple and straightforward with like an easy to understand plot line. And so I can't even imagine not knowing English and learning English by translating this game. And, and he grew up without like Google translate and stuff. So he's thumbing through like an English Spanish dictionary, trying to understand what these characters are saying while playing through this game. And I think he said he logged something like 2000 hours or something. I just really appreciated that post. So that, that was absolutely my centerpiece for the week. 
that beautiful pick. That was awesome. Matt, thanks for another amazing episode. I really enjoyed this conversation today, brother. As always, man, until next time. Sounds good. Take it easy. You too. Podcast. Podcast.